In God's Word this morning to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3. text for the sermon will be Ephesians 3, verse 16. We'll read that verse first, and then we'll go back and read the chapter. Ephesians 3, 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Go back now to Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. May God bless the reading of his holy scriptures unto our hearts. 
beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the context here, the Apostle Paul has been teaching the Ephesians about prayer. He has been giving unto them instruction about how the child of God approaches his father in prayer. He is teaching the Ephesians that we are not to come tentatively, apprehensively unto our Father in prayer, but we are to come unto our Father with boldness and with confidence. That's verse 12, in whom, speaking of Christ, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. It's not because of ourselves we are worthy of coming into the presence of the thrice holy God, but it's because of the faith of Christ, because of the faith that Jesus Christ gives unto us, which faith unites us unto Jesus Christ, and by which faith we are made righteous and holy in the sight of God, because of that faith and through that faith we come with boldness and with confidence unto our Father in prayer. Having then taught the Ephesians about the manner in which we are to approach our Father in prayer, the Apostle Paul then goes on to the content of prayer. What is it that we ask of the Father? He leads by his own Example in giving a number of petitions unto the Father. He prays, verse 17, that Christ would dwell in your hearts. Verse 18, that you would be able to comprehend the dimensions of God's love. He prays that glory would be given unto God. Verse 21, unto him be glory. But before the Apostle Paul gets to all of those following petitions, he begins with the petition that we consider this morning. For this cause, for this reason, the Apostle Paul bends his knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Let's consider this text this morning under the theme, a petition for might. First we'll consider what is the necessity of making this petition. Why do we pray for might? Second, we'll consider the petition Self, what is it that we are asking for, and who is it that makes this petition? And then the third point we'll consider the confidence that we have as we make this petition. The petition for might, the necessity, the petition, the confidence. The petition that the Apostle Paul makes here is a petition regarding the inner man. And if we are to understand the necessity of asking that the inner man be granted strength. We must know something about what is the inner man. The inner man is distinguished from 
the outward man. The outward man is the flesh. The outward man is the physical body that God gives unto us. The outward man is the object of the examination of the earthly doctor. If you go unto the doctor for a health checkup, the doctor has as the object of his examination the outward man. And so he uses various tools to assist him in evaluating the strength of the outward man. He uses a flashlight to look. He uses a stethoscope. He takes the blood pressure. And then with these conclusions that he finds as he examines the outward man, he is able to give a report about the overall health or lack thereof of the individual before him. How then do we evaluate the health of the inner man? What is the spiritual stethoscope, the flashlight, that God gives unto us by which we can evaluate the health or lack thereof of the inner man? The inner man, you understand, is our heart, it's our soul, it's that spiritual aspect of man. In the the beginning, God created Adam out of the dust of the ground and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Sometimes, the health of one's soul is reflected in the outward aspect of man. There's times when there's a consistency between how the inner man is doing and how the outward man is doing. So one can make conclusions or observations about one's spiritual well-being by what is evident outwardly in an individual. This was the case for the psalmist. In Psalm 42, in Psalm 42, the psalmist was in a place of distress. He was in a very low place, and there he cried out, Psalm 42, verses 2 and 3, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? So you see in that instance there that the psalmist was struggling internally. His soul was disquieted within him. His soul cried out for God, thirsted for God. And that internal struggle of the soul became evident in the physical aspect of the psalmist. His tears were his meat day and night. And so there are times then when one is struggling in the heart and in the soul, and it's evident unto others that that person is struggling for, then individual cries and cries and cannot be comforted. Sometimes the inner state of the soul is evident outwardly. 
in fact, more often than what we might think, the inner state of the soul is evident to those around us. We might do our best to put on a front. We might do our best to try to show to others that we have everything in order in our lives, all is well with me. But those who know us well quickly read through the front that we put on and can tell when our souls are troubled. But then there are other times when there is an unlikeness, a dissimilarity between how one appears outwardly and how one's soul inwardly is doing. The Apostle Paul speaks of this in 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. There he says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And so in this instance, there's a disparity between how the outward man is doing and how the inward man is doing. In that instance, the outward man, according to the Apostle Paul, perishes day by day. And so think of an individual then who is overcome with illness. An individual who has been diagnosed with a disease, perhaps an incurable disease. Or an individual who perhaps has not been diagnosed with great disease and yet who toils and who labors all day long, six days a week, and strives so hard in his employment that it is taking a physical toll upon his body. It's evident to others that this man is laboring so hard that his body is paying the price for the labors that he is doing. And so his outward man perishes day by day. And yet even though this individual's outward flesh is perishing, yet in the inward man, the Apostle Paul says he's renewed day by day. And so although physically this individual is sick or this individual is burdened down with the responsibilities of life, yet his inward man, it's evident to others, the inward man is strong. And so there is then a disparity between how the outward man is doing and how the inward man is doing. How strong is your inner man? If one were to do an examination and peer into the depths of your being, to your heart, and to your soul. Would the result of that examination be it is said of you that you are spiritually strong. You are spiritually faithful. You are a person with an upright heart who loves the Lord in all of your words and in all of your actions. You begin 
beloved, to understand then the necessity of this petition for the inner man. For who of us would say of ourselves that yes, my inner spiritual strength is high. I'm confident that I'm where I want to be spiritually. There's maybe a little bit of room for growth, but I've more or less arrived spiritually. I resist temptation. My thoughts are honorable, pure, at all times and always. Who would say that? The humble child of God, given the spirit of Jesus Christ, led by the word, says as he or she reflects on the spiritual state of the soul, I am by nature weak. I am like unto a little child. The scriptures compare us unto children. The apostle John in 1 John 2 verse 1, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Think of a newborn child. The child has, in principle, everything that that child is going to need for development later on in life. The child has a mind. The child has arms and legs. And yet, that newborn child has not yet developed the strength to use the mind in the same way that an adult reasons and is able to communicate The child has not developed the strength of legs to be able to stand up and walk and run. And so it is that although in principle that child has everything that he will need for later on in life, yet there must be development, there must be growth in that child. And so it is for us spiritually. We are like unto spiritual children. In principle, God has given unto us through faith everything that we need for our spiritual development and our spiritual strength, and yet we are weak. We have not yet developed those spiritual virtues to the point where we can resist temptation when it is set before us. And so it is in that the devil sets the temptation before us and by nature we are drawn unto that temptation and we stumble and fall. That's why, that's the necessity of asking God to strengthen us with might in the spiritual man because we have an honest reflection of our human nature. We confess with the psalmist, rather with the Apostle Paul, Romans 7, the evil that I would not, that I do. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? But then as well we make this petition, we must make this petition when we consider the strength of the one against whom we battle. Who is the enemy of your soul? Who attacks your soul? 
Who would pierce your soul through with darts of unrighteousness? The devil. And how strong is the devil? Before the fall into sin, he was Lucifer, prince of the angelic realm. Being lifted up in pride against God, he rebelled. He took with him as much as one-third of the angelic realm with him into his fall. He now sends forth these angels, now demons, sends forth these demons to do his work of leading the people of God into temptation. Who can stand against him? Ephesians 6 speaks to us about the power that he has. Ephesians 6 verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles means methods, cunnings of the devil. He's intelligent in his work. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. And so it is the case not only as we reflect upon the weakness of our own nature, but also as we reflect upon the power of the one who is opposed to the spiritual health of our souls, that the child of God pleads unto Jehovah, grant unto me strength in the inner man. Let's consider then this petition that we make unto God. We must understand clearly here that when we make this petition, we are not asking God for regeneration. Regeneration is that work of God, the initial work of God, the Holy Spirit, to place new life inside of us. We are not asking God here to perform that initial work of regeneration. Rather, we are asking God to strengthen us with might. The fact that we are asking God to strengthen us with might means that this individual already has the Spirit of God within his or her heart. We would never make this petition unto God were it not for the fact that God already has quickened us. With regard to this inner man, the soul of the individual, we are asking God that he would strengthen that inner man. This is not here a petition regarding the outward man. We are not here asking God to give unto us physical health. We are not here asking God to give recovery from injury or surgery. We are not here asking God for physical stamina. Not that it would be wrong to ask God for physical health so that the outward man can be strengthened. Elsewhere in the scriptures, we are taught to pray for the physical well-being of man. Jesus Christ in the model prayer taught us to pray. Grant us, give us this day our daily bread. 
The Apostle Paul prayed three times over that God would remove the thorn in his flesh. But this particular text is not a petition for the outward man, but it is a petition regarding the inner man. The Apostle Paul understood the significance of inner spiritual strength. The outward man, we understand, is of the dust. The outward man continues on this earth 70, perhaps by reason of strength, 80 years. And then the outward man returns unto the dust from whence it was created. But the inner man the moment of death is taken by Jesus Christ from off this earth into heaven. The inner inner man abides forever. And so this is then a request that the new man of Jesus Christ would be made strong as he battles against sin. This is a petition for spiritual endurance. How endurance is lacking in our day and age. A man says he will perform this or that. A man begins performing the action that he said he would do, but then he encounters a difficulty. There's a hiccup along the way. And as soon as that man experiences a difficulty, he throws his hands up and says, I cannot do it. I did not sign up for this. And he quits. And how tempting it is to do that even with regard to things spiritual. And so then as we pray for God to strengthen us with might in the inner man, we are pleading that God would grant unto us spiritual endurance. That day after day we might walk with humility of heart and confidence in the Lord, leading an upright life before him. Praying for strength in the inner man is a prayer that God would give us grace to resist temptation. It's a prayer that God would strengthen us so that when we are confronted with temptation in the workplace, in the home, when we are confronted with temptation in the screen that is before us, that we would have the spiritual resolve to turn away from that temptation. What does the spiritually strong individual look like? What does he do? At times, spiritual strength is quiet. Proverbs 26, verse 4, Answer not a fool according to his folly lest thou also be like unto him. At other times, the spiritually strong individual speaks, for a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Proverbs 25, verse 11. What is spiritual strength? Spiritual strength is standing in the day of adversity. Proverbs 24, verse 10. If thou faint 
in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. What is spiritual strength? Spiritual strength is exercising control of one's emotions and of one's tongue. James 1 verse 19, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. It is a prayer that God himself be at work in you. Who makes this sort of petition? Certainly you do. As the people of God, as those who have been led to see your shortcomings in obedience, as those who are sorry for sins and would that you could resist temptation and flee from evil, you pray unto God, asking him for spiritual strength. But who else makes this petition? You notice in the text who makes this petition? It's not the individual praying for himself, but it's the Apostle Paul praying for the church, for the Ephesians. Paul says, Ephesians 3, verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. The Apostle Paul, set apart by Jesus Christ as a missionary pastor, prayed for the Ephesian congregation that they would be strengthened with might. So who makes then this petition? The office bearers make this petition. The pastor, as he thinks upon the needs of the members of his congregation, prays that the members of his church would be given spiritual strength to resist temptation. Who else? It's not just the minister but the elders and the deacons who make this petition for you, the church. In the council room, before they exit the room, coming into the sanctuary when the worship service starts in the morning and in the evening as well, a prayer is offered. And there the office bearers pray for the spiritual strength of the congregation as well before and after the consistory and council meetings the office bearers show their love for the flock of Jesus Christ by praying for their spiritual strength who else who else makes 
evokes this petition. It's not just the Apostle Paul. It's not just the pastor, the elders, and the deacons. You know who else makes this petition? Jesus. Jesus. As the mediator of his church, as the one who loves his bride perfectly, as the one who knows what it's like to struggle, to have to resist temptation, who knows what it's like to be tempted, and who is tempted so mightily three times over by the devil that it was necessary that angels come and minister to him, following his temptations. Jesus prays on behalf of the church that they would be strengthened with might. John 17, high priestly prayer. John 17, verse 9, I pray for them, speaking of the church, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. John 17, verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. How costly was this prayer that Jesus made and makes unto the Father. The cost for Jesus Christ was his own life. In order to strengthen you with might in the inner man, Jesus Christ went the lonely way unto the accursed tree on Calvary and there battled against the devil and gave up his life to redeem us from the power and dominion of sin. What confidence do we have as we make this petition? Confidence by faith is that God will not only hear, but will also answer this petition, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, that you would be strengthened with might. That's our confidence. We are praying unto the God who is rich in glory. He's the God of infinite wealth, the God of infinite beauty, the God whose virtues cannot be numbered, the God who is love and mercy, the God who is justice and equity, the God who is wisdom and power. He is the God who is not limited, but he is the God who is rich in his glory, and what confidence that knowledge gives unto us as we come unto the Father in prayer. What confidence could we have if we were going to a poor beggar, asking a beggar to give something unto us? We would have no confidence. 
What confidence could we have if we were going unto the gods of this world, asking the gods of this world to fill us with might in the inner man? The gods of this world do not give, but they take and take and take away from us. Turn to the god of drugs. Turn to the god of pornography. And that God, instead of satisfying you, instead of giving unto you might in the inner man, will rob you and rob you and rob you until you have nothing left. In comparison is the God of heaven and earth, the God who is rich in his glory, the God who does not take but who gives unto his people in love. He gave unto his church his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and the love he gives unto you the Spirit of Christ, who is poured out upon the New Testament church, and who day by day, moment by moment, strengthens us with might. Let us, then, make this petition. Let us make this petition with confidence. We make this request according to the riches of his glory, according to proportionate unto, in a way that corresponds unto the riches of God's glory. Do we even dare to ask according to the riches? Of God's glory. Have we, have we become too modest in our expectations, in our petitions that we bring unto God? Perhaps one says, I don't even dare anymore to ask according to the riches of God's glory. I've learned better. Experiences of life have taught me not to ask such lofty requests of God. It's better for me just to set my sights low, lest I be disappointed if my request isn't given. To be sure, there are times where the child of God does ask but for crumbs. Recall the conversation that the woman of faith had with Jesus. As she spoke to Jesus and said, Yes, Jesus, but even the dogs get the crumbs off the ground. There are times where the child of God becomes so downcast, is in such a low spot, that all he or she feels that he can do is ask for crumbs. But let us continue praying that God would bring us to the point again where we can ask according to the riches of God's glory. Asking with confidence that we would be filled with all the fullness of Jesus Christ himself, Asking that God would so strengthen us with might that we can turn from every temptation 
that comes before us, asking that God would grant unto us patience until that great and glorious day of Jesus Christ, when he returns on the clouds of glory, brings us into the heavenly mansion built for us. And then no longer will we have to ask to be strengthened with might in the inner man. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, may all glory, honor, and praise be given unto thee. Hallowed be thy name. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. Thou art the God who hast redeemed us from captivity, the God who anoints us with thy Holy Spirit, the one who ministers unto us by thy word. Wilt thou bless thy word unto our hearts? Wilt thou forgive whatever was done or said in sin? For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.